A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Transformative Experts. I've got a really fun guest for us today. I have Dr. Srikumar Rao with us, and um, Srikumar is an elite coach. And if you don't know what that means, you're going to find out during the course of this this um, call. He, he works with, with some of the biggest names, some of the biggest people, but he does some of the biggest work. And he's working in an area that for many of us... Um, sometimes may seem a little bit different and yet it's it's incredibly incredibly powerful it's the it's the the spiritual side of things it's 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 how do we you know connect with people how do we connect with ourselves how do we find our ha- happiness and those kind of things um Srikumar is he's got a ted talk you know plug into your hardwired happiness and author of multiple books including a new one coming out called modern wisdom ancient roots um Srikumar, welcome Thank you, Chris. My pleasure to be with you. It's good to have you. We, um, uh, you know, you've got a really good story. I, you know, again, my listeners know we always start with 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 this with your particular story, and people don't get to where they are, don't have the successes, especially at the level that you've had success, without a really interesting life. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to tee up too much stuff, but um, but I wonder if 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 you could share your story with our listeners today. I'd be delighted to share my story with your listeners, Chris. And I grew up in India, and I was a bright student. And uh, I uh, went to some of the top educational institutions in India. I went to St. Stephen's College, Delhi University. Then I went to the Indian Institute of Management, Ahmedabad. And then I came to Columbia University to do my PhD. I did not have any interest in doing a PhD, but I had a huge interest in coming to America. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if you want to come to America, it's a wonderful idea to come on somebody else's nickel if you can manage it. And here were all these great universities saying, dear Mr. Rao, please come do PhD. We will give you a fellowship. That means money. So I said, fine, I'll do PhD. I came to Columbia because it was in New York and you know, that always had a magnetic attraction. I did my PhD in marketing because at that time, Columbia was the world's best school in marketing. So that's how my life was going, pretty much drifting. I uh, got a job with a uh, <clears throat> Fortune 250 company. It was Warner Communications. Mm-hmm. And uh, my career took off like a rocket. I had a lucky break early on, which is I helped craft the advertising strategy for a movie which went on to become an all-time blockbuster. In fact, even now, after 50 years, it's among the list of 50 top-grossing movies of all time. So that did wonders for my career. So, wait, 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 wait. Which movie? (laughs) I knew you'd ask that. This was the original Exorcist, uh, Chris. Oh, wow. Okay. And if you look at the list of 50 top grossing movies of yeah. all time. The Exorcist is the only horror movie on that list. It's a classic. All the too. others are general interest movies. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Forrest yeah. Gump, Indiana Jones, Gone with the Wind, things of that nature for a general audience. The Exorcist is the only horror movie on that list. So from a marketing standpoint, it, it was a grand slam. Yeah, it was. I got burnt out by corporate politics, so I thought I'd go to universities where there is no politics. I was sadly mistaken. Yeah. 
I think it was Kissinger who said the reason knives are so sharp in academe is because the stakes are so small, and he nailed it. Mm-hmm. So then I carried on in academe for a while, and my colleagues who remained in the corporate world went on to hierarchical success and financial uh, abundance, and I was stuck with cost of living increases. And I really felt very sorry for myself. I had great education, wonderful early start, and now I've blown it all, and I've ruined my life and chucked away my uh, chances, and oh, woe is me, a pity party of one. Now, all my life I'd been doing a lot of reading, spiritual biography, mystical autobiography. They would take me to a wonderful place, and I came back to the real world, and it sucked. And I remember thinking, all of this is useful only if you're sitting quietly thinking peaceful thoughts, but not when you came to the hurly-burly, then it's useless. But somehow I knew that wasn't true. I knew that this was very valuable. Maybe even the only stuff that's valuable, I just hadn't figured out how to make use of it. So one day I got my bright idea, which is, why don't I take the teachings of the world's great masters, strip them of religious, cultural, and other uh, underpinnings, and adapt them into exercises that uh, would appeal to intelligent people in a post-industrial society. And the thought of doing that made me come alive. I was a marketing guy, so normally if I came up with a bright idea, my immediate question was, is there a market for it? Will others be interested? And if I thought there was, I would develop the idea, and if there wasn't, I would drop it. This is the first time I never even asked the question. I was going to create this course because I needed it for me. Mm -hmm. So I did. It did well. I moved it to Columbia Business School in 1999, and it exploded. It was the only course at the business school which had a university-wide draw. I had students from law school, business school, School of International Public Affairs, journalism, teachers' college, all over the place. And it also got a tremendous amount of publicity. It was written up in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Fortune, Forbes, Business Week, Financial Times, London Times, Guardian, Virtually every major business publication in North America and the UK covered it at some point or the other. Wow. So that's when I discovered that what was ailing me was not unique. I thought it was unique to me, but it wasn't. It's actually a pretty widespread uh, uh, lack, if you will, in uh, the world today. Business schools don't even acknowledge, much less address, the real problems that uh, persons, people have. What makes me happy? Who am I really? What gives me a sense of meaning and purpose? They don't acknowledge that. They certainly don't address that. In my course, I dealt with it head on. And that's why my course became so popular. In fact, it's the only such course that has its own alumni association. Let me repeat that. My course has its own alumni association. Wow. Now, you tell me, Chris, how many, you know, a lot of people who've been to school, grad school, how many people do you know who remain associated with a single course two decades or more after they left, graduated? You know, if I can ever think of somebody, I'll let you know. Good enough. The right. number is not large. Yeah, you know it's 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 funny because it, uh, well I'll tell you one funny story. So so um, not maybe not a funny story, but but my favorite professor from college, 
Yeah, uh, he was actually somebody that, that that people told me, "Oh, never take this professor." You know, kind of like he's too hard. Mm-hmm. And um, he was a history professor, but he brought in a lot of philosophy into it. And I'll never forget the first day of class he came in, and, and it was Middle Ages history. And he said, "I'm going to tell you the story of the Middle Ages," and he wove this story and and he created it. And what was funny is is those of us who were in that class it was such an impactful class, not because of what he taught us. I I couldn't tell you a lot about it. Here I am, you know, many, many, many years later. But, but how he did it was so impactful, and the philosophy he brought in. And so I wouldn't necessarily call it a, an alumni association, but there are those of us who see each other who had that class from time to time, and we still talk about it today, yeah. um, about the impact. So Im- impact can be very, very powerful, and yet his was very philosophical in nature. And I do think that the the philosophies are there. I, I once challenged a, a professor in an MBA program. I said, why don't we teach psychology and philosophy in MBAs? Mm-hmm. And he had no answer. So I think this is really powerful stuff. Yes, and it was. So as I said, I've taught my course at many of the world's top business schools. It was among the highest rated, most popular at those schools. I've taught it at Columbia Business School, at London Business School, at Kellogg. Northwestern School of Management. I've taught it at uh, the Haas School of Business at Berkeley, uh, at Imperial College. So it's been around the world. Hmm. Now I teach it privately in New York, London, and San Francisco. I used to teach it in New York, London, and San Francisco. Since the pandemic, it's been all virtual. Yeah. And I also simultaneously developed an international coaching clientele. I have a very unique niche in coaching. I coach individuals who are very successful, but they want to leave a tremendous impact on the world. You know, in the words of Steve Jobs, they want to leave a dent in the universe. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they also have a an explicit spiritual practice. And many of them kind of look upon it as either or. I can sit down and meditate eight hours a day and grow spiritually. Or I can become a business titan and I got to choose. Yeah. And my job is to show them they don't have to choose. It's not or, it's and. That becoming a business titan is their spiritual path. And how do you pull that off? That's what my coaching is all about. And that's my unique niche in coaching. And I am not aware of anybody else who's playing in that sandbox. There may be, I just am not aware of anybody else. Well, not well anyway, right? I mean, I, you know, I've, I've in, in my career and lifetime since, since I left the corporate world, I've met many, many coaches and, um, you know, many who claim to, you know, I guess claim to go down that spiritual path and, and ask some of those questions. But when you get into the practice of it, they, they only touch the surface. You know, it's, 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 they, they've created some program, but it doesn't, it doesn't create the power that, that, that yours creates. And, um, and I've, I've known people that have gone and thought, oh, this was the greatest coaching, but, but they, they weren't fulfilled because they never got to the answers. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of internal work to get to those answers. It's a lot of internal work is absolutely correct. In fact, as I always tell people who either take my program or uh, enroll as a coaching client, this is a rest of your life journey. Is it the hardest work you'll ever do? It's the hardest and the easiest, both. Tell me more about that. Okay. It's a hard work. It's hard work because you have to 
unlearn everything you ever have. This is not something where you learn stuff. This is some place where you learn that what you have believed for virtually your entire life, what many of your colleagues, your peers, your relatives, even your spouse and children believe is dysfunctional and just not true. But at the same time, it's the easiest because you see the results very, very, very fast. And you also recognize that this is where you will find the fulfillment you're always looking for. Let me tell you a story, and it's a very illustrative story. There was a man in faultless evening clothes who was searching under a street lamp, and a jogger went past. And then he circled around and said, hey, you seem troubled, there's something the matter. And the man said, I dropped my car keys. And the jogger says, no problem, I'll help you find it. So he goes down and, you know, searches. And they're both searching. And after a few minutes, he says, look, we've scoured this area pretty thoroughly and I don't see your car keys here. Uh, where did you drop them? And the man says, I dropped them over there. Mm-hmm. And the jogger, understandably irritated, says, why the hell are you searching here if you dropped it over there? And the man said, well, it's dark there and it's light here, so I thought I'd search here. <laughs> now, you recognize that this is a semi-funny joke told semi-adroitly, but it's uh, supposed to be humorous. What you're surprised by, and most people are surprised by, is we do exactly the same thing. What we're looking for is happiness. What we're looking for is a sense of meaning and purpose. What we're looking for is joy that will not end. And what we're actually doing is scrambling to achieve stuff, you know, bigger house, better car, maybe a private jet, become CEO, grow my company, have great sex. You will never solve an internal problem with external action. Yet that is what we are trying to do every day of our lives. It's no different from searching for our keys here when we've dropped them over there. Okay, so, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to think through this. And, um, you know, you'll never solve an internal problem with external action. And, and I guess where I'm stuck is, is, is I think that's how I always try to solve problems. Mm-hmm. That's how the West, 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 overwhelming majority of us try to do it. So how do you solve an internal problem? Internally? Internally. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, we got about a minute left in the segment, so I, I'm not sure if it's a quick question or a longer question, but I would love to know, what was the first thing you had to unlearn in order to start your journey? The first thing I had to unlearn was the notion that I live in a real world. We don't live in a real world. We live in a construct. We're all living in the matrix, but this is not a matrix created by an alien civilization out to enslave us. It's a matrix that we have created with our mental chatter and our mental models. And having created it, we then experience it as we have created it. 
Yeah. So, you know, our world is what we make of it. I mean, how many times have, have, have we heard that particular story? And if we've made a world a certain way and that's our world and that's our view and you can have exactly. 20 people around you, it's 20 different worlds. I mean, it, it, it certainly is. Okay. So we're, we're already up on our first break. So um, we need to step away for a couple of minutes. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Uh, Srikumar Rao. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's time to transform your business with the help of the Execution Culture, co-written by your host, Chris Elias. Make your company smarter, faster, and stronger with real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. The Execution Culture, available now on Amazon. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Nexecute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. Take the next step and give us a call for a free consultation with your host, Chris Elias. 888-378-8808. That's 888-378-8808. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Keep the conversation going. Follow your host on Instagram at Chris Elias Official and on Facebook and Twitter at The Chris Elias to discuss your own business transformations and get real world advice on culture, leadership and execution. See you there. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back with Dr. Srikumar Rao. Um, so Srikumar, you know, just before we, we went on the break, we were talking a little bit about unlearning. And, you know, I love your analogy to, to the Matrix because, you know, people talk about a movie that really changed some people's thinking out there. And, you know, yeah, it's easy to fluff it off. Software program could be, you know, but, but the fact that you could consider things from, from different points of view, different realities, we experience different realities. It's, it's a really interesting thing. And, and unlearning that for you was obviously a great lever. I also think about the process of unlearning. You know, when, when I work with clients, we try to change habits. There's always unlearning that has to occur. And it's very, very difficult. Um, I have to imagine it's, it's incredibly difficult, especially when we're trying to unlearn for the purpose of finding our own happiness. So the question that comes to my mind is, 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 is from a starting point, what, what's the most difficult thing to unlearn? What's the hardest thing we're going to face? And how do you go about, um, how do you go about starting to unlearn or unlearning that thing? 
<laughs> That's an easy one to answer, Chris. The most difficult thing to unlearn is the notion that you are a particular body, mind, intellect complex. I am Chris. I have the successful podcast. I uh, interview entertaining people, and I have a ball while I'm doing that. That's the story that you're telling yourself. It's flat out false. Mm -hmm. Now we need to do some digging before you understand where I'm coming from. Okay, so let me ask you a question. What would you call a scientist who arbitrarily throws away a quarter to a third of uh, his observations? He just throws it away. Well, it doesn't fit into what I would like, so I'm going to throw it away. Would you call that person a liar or a person of low integrity? Maybe, at least, if nothing else, at, at least trying to support a bias of some sort to push whether it's a personal agenda or something else. It's, is it a true scientist? But you scientist? Would not have a lot of faith in what that person says, correct? No, no, not at all. So understand, this is a person who arbitrarily throws away a quarter or more of his observations, simply because it doesn't fit into his worldview, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Now, assume, Chris, that we're at a cocktail party and I bump up to you and, you know, I say, hey, you're Chris, I'm Sri Kumar, glad to meet you. Oh, who are you, Chris? What do you do? You'd probably say something like I said earlier, right? I know I really love meeting interesting people. I interview them on my podcast. It reaches so many million people and I have a lot of fun, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Correct? Sure. Now, Chris, you do go to sleep, right? And when you go to sleep, you dream, right? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> All right. So let me tell you about one dream you had. And this is something you remember because it was such a powerful dream. And in this dream, you were Julius Caesar. And you wanted to be dictator of Rome. But there was this guy called Pompey who actually challenged you. And you didn't like that. So you gathered up your legions and came after him. And Pompey had his own legions. But your legions beat his legions. And Pompey fled. And you chased him. And during the course of all of that, you landed up in Egypt. And there was this woman called Cleopatra who was having a spot of trouble with her brother. And you liked Cleopatra. So you waited on her side. And established her as uh, queen of uh, Egypt and defeated her brother. And uh, you also had an affair on the side and you begat a son. And then you had to go back to Rome. And when you went back to Rome, the Ides of March happened. Mm -hmm. And when Brutus stuck his knife in you, it really hurt. And in fact, the pain was so great that you woke up. Now this, Chris, is your own direct experience, correct? Sure. But when I ask you in that party, hey, Chris, what do you do? You say, I'm Chris, I'm a radio host, I have this wonderful podcast, and I want to build up the view. You never, ever even think of saying, well, some of the time I'm Chris, and some of the times I'm Julius Caesar, and you know, some of the time I just seem to disappear somewhere, and there's no Chris, there's no Julius Caesar. There's... You never say that, do you? I can't recall ever saying that, no. 
you have just thrown away a quarter or more of your direct experience. Mm-hmm. You are no better than the scientist who throws away his observations. So the- Because, Chris, you are not real. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. Let's define real as that which always is. Okay? Okay. Now, pay attention because you're going to understand intellectually what I'm talking about in roughly five minutes or less. But truly becoming entrenched in it and unlearning all the garbage that you have foisted on yourself is a lifetime's work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to define as real that which always is. Now, if we define real as that which always is, we know that Chris is not real because some of the time Chris disappears and there's Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar is not real because some of the time, you know, he's Chris. And some of the times both Chris and Julius Caesar disappear and there is nothing. You're in deep sleep. Mm -hmm. But there is something which is there right now when you're being Chris, is with you when you're being Julius Caesar, is with you in deep sleep, and that is the awareness that you exist. When you get up in the morning, do you have to ask someone, hey, did I exist? No, you know you exist. You know you had a good night's sleep or a bad night's sleep. You know whether you were Julius Caesar or whether Freddy Krueger was after you in a dark alley. You don't have to ask anyone. You know. Mm-hmm. That is pure awareness and that is who you really are. Chris, the podcast host, comes and goes. Julius Caesar comes and goes. The awareness that you exist is there all the time. It never goes away. If you want an analogy, think about you went to see a movie. You saw The Towering Inferno. Now, if you haven't seen The Towering Inferno, it's a kind of an 80s movie which is worth seeing or a 70s movie which is worth seeing. And there is a fire in the upper stories of a skyscraper and it's so hot the steel beams melt. And that movie is over and you watch the next movie and that's Waterworld. And in Waterworld, all the polar caps are melted and the sea levels have risen. There's hardly any land anywhere. And, uh, you know, the protagonist and uh, his girlfriend are desperately going around in a boat trying to find land. And that movie ends. And you look at the screen and the screen is not burnt Mm -hmm. and the screen is not wet. The screen is as it has been unchanged, unchanging. Nevertheless, neither the Towering Inferno nor Waterworld would have existed but for the screen. The screen is pure awareness. The screen is your essential nature. The screen is who you are. The Towering Inferno is a soap opera that's playing out on the screen. 
That's Chris, the podcast host. What a world is another soap opera that's playing out on the screen. That's Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. But underneath that, the screen exists, and that's pure awareness, and that is who you really are. But you believe at times that you're Julius Caesar, and then you feel pain when Brutus stabs you. Other times you imagine you're Chris, the podcast host, and you get angry when someone say, hey, you're, you're, you know, the last one you put out was all a crap. When you identify with the soap opera, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. When you identify with the screen, nothing disturbs you, nothing bothers you. And the nature of the screen is the nature of awareness. And in India, we've got a term for it. We call it Satchidananda. Existence, consciousness, bliss. Mm-hmm. When Jesus talked about the peace that passeth understanding, that is what he was referring to. The kingdom of heaven is inside you. You don't have to go anywhere. When you recognize your true nature is that of awareness, then all the rest of this drama, you just enjoy because it is a drama. It does not affect you. Intellectually, it's very easy to understand. We've done it in five minutes or less. Making that your lived experience and really unlearning what you have spent a lifetime or perhaps many lifetimes learning, that, my friend, is where the effort is needed. Yeah, it is. I consider everything you've said, it's just, you know, and, and I'm thinking this through, it's... It's, it's in, in a way, it's like there's one thing to unlearn, but then there's a million things to unlearn, right? Because we have all these experiences. So for instance, in my, let's call it my podcast or role, I'm experiencing you right now, right? Mm-hmm. But this will be over in, in, you know, in a little while. And then I'm going to go experience something else. I'm going to go experience something else after that and after that. And all these experiences trigger emotional responses, so it's back to your comment about the, you know, fixing the internal problems with the external, um, you know, processes or ways. And yet, you know, the, that's part of the struggle. So the theory of it, I completely understand. But, but the practice, how, you know, how do you just be? How do you just recognize that you just exist? And how do you leverage that? Leverage that maybe is something that we will go into in the next segment. But in the meantime, let me share a couple of other things to you. You just said, here I am experiencing you, and, uh, you know, this is kind of taxing, so after we're done with this, I'm going to go have a relaxing beer and think about what you said, and then I'm going to go have a slice of pizza because I'm kind of peckish and uh, a little food, and pizza goes well with everything. Yeah. And in your head, there is a sequence. Now I'm experiencing you. Afterwards, I'll have beer. And still afterwards, I'll have pizza. And maybe I'll have another beer on that. And it all comes in a linear progression of time. And I was a young kid and I used to run the marathon. And now, you know, I prefer taking the elevator rather than go up the stairs. That's the world you live in. Now we know that's false. There is no space and no time. There is no time which is moving relentlessly from past to present to future. You know, Einstein demonstrated that pretty 
conclusively, there is no space and time, there is only space-time. And you travel at the velocity of light and you can land up and, uh, you know, younger than your father and all of those beautiful paradoxes. Only now, that's not speculation. That's about as proven as can be, because believe me, if there is a hard science, quote-unquote, it's physics. Yeah. So we understand there is no space and time, there is space-time, but most of us cannot get our hands around it and say, okay, maybe it's true at the subatomic level, because Feynman proved that you can have particles go from now to then, but they can also go from then to now, and there's no difference. Right. You cannot tell it apart. And we're having all of this wonderful stuff show up in practical applications like the quantum computer, and we'll probably have a quantum computer within uh, the next five to ten years. So this is not woo stuff. This is hard science. But despite that, we cannot get our arms around it. I'm simply pointing out not only is this hard science, but what I've just shared with you is the reality. And everything else that we're doing in is a construct, something that we made up. And the only thing that exists is you as pure awareness. Let's take this a bit deeper, okay? Now, and once again, I invite you to use your logic, okay? You don't have to believe anything I say. See what I say, examine it logically, and test it against your life experience. Now, Aristotle said that for any item, there is a material cause and an efficient cause. Yeah. So let's assume we have a pot. So what's the pot made out of? Clay. So clay is the material cause. The pot's made out of clay. Who made the pot? The potter made the pot. So the potter is the efficient cause. The potter made the pot out of clay. Okay? Gold earring. What's it made of? I just told you. Gold. So gold is the material cause. Who made it? The goldsmith. So the goldsmith made the gold earring out of gold. You can extend it indefinitely. There's the motor car. Who made it? BMW. What is the motor car made of? Steel, glass, rubber. Yeah. And who made it? BMW. And BMW is actually an agglomeration of actors, you know, the people who found the original company and the persons who worked at it. And behind each one of the materials, there is an entire industry of refining, processing, mining, and so on. But the principle is exactly the same. So now we have this item. This item is the universe, and this universe is immense. We know from the Hubble Space Telescope and now the James Webb Telescope that there are tens of billions of galaxies, each one of which has a billion or more stars. Enormous, enormous, enormous universe. Who made the universe? Well, 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 well God, you know, God made the universe. Right. All right. What did God make the universe out of? There was some quantum soup lying around and he made the you know, universe out of this quantum soup. Well, who made the quantum soup? Do you understand that you go into an infinite regress? Yes. There's only one way out of this regress. God made this universe out of himself, herself, itself. 
And if God made this universe out of himself, herself, itself, then everything around you is God's stuff. The microphone in front of you, the chair in which you're sitting, the delightful individual that you're speaking to, all God's stuff. The doctor on the road, the slice of pizza you're going to have for lunch, all God's stuff. The great men of history, Lincoln, Gandhi, God's stuff. The tyrants of history, Hitler, Stalin, God's stuff. There is nothing in the world, there has been nothing in the world, there will be nothing in the world that's not God's stuff. Excellent. Excellent. That okay. So I can't wait to continue this conversation. We're up on our next break, though. So let's um, let's just take a couple minutes. We're gonna come back and we're gonna keep the conversation going. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Nexecute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. Take the next step and give us a call for a free consultation with your host, Chris Elias. 888-378-8808. That's 888-378-8808. It's time to transform your business with the help of the Execution Culture, co-written by your host, Chris Elias. Make your company smarter, faster, and stronger with real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. The Execution Culture, available now on Amazon. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Keep the conversation going. Follow your host on Instagram at Chris Elias Official and on Facebook and Twitter at The Chris Elias to discuss your own business transformations and get real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. See you there. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back one last time with Dr. Srikumar Rao. Um, you know, I, I have to tell you, my, my mind is going in a hundred directions. I usually am not kind of at a loss for, you know, questions, or, and yet there are just so many of them. Um, you know, I think about everything that you've said. It all, it all makes sense to me. And I still wonder how do we how do we then take this knowledge? Let's say we're able to unload it, un- unlearn it. We're we're able to to step back and really recognize that we just are, right? And 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 maybe we're a conglomeration of all these other things or all these constructs or something we create or everything. But how do we start making that that change? And how do we 
how do we utilize it to find that happiness? What's what's the the motion there? All right. Before I do that, I got to extrapolate a little more, go sure. a little bit beyond what we did already. Excellent. So I told you that there's nothing in the world, there has been nothing in the world, and there will be nothing in the world that's not God stuff. Right? Right. I want to attack another belief that you have, and this is probably a very firm belief. You believe that you live in a universe that's incomprehensibly vast. Billions of galaxies. Each of those galaxies has billions of stars. We live in a completely average universe uh, galaxy called the Milky Way, and there is this totally unremarkable star that's about a third of the way out in the Milky Way, and uh, it's got a bunch of planets around, and one of those planets, the third one from the star, is called Earth, and it's unremarkable because the vast mass of this solar system is contained in Jupiter, which is more than 74% of the planetary mass of the solar system. So there is this Earth, and within this Earth, which is mostly covered with water, you know, there are a few strips of land, and in that, they're organized into nation states, and in one of those is this town called New York, and I live in a small suburb of New York and uh, with that I got a house and I got my living room or my office in that and then I got this body which is uh, <clears throat> kind of aging but it's the only one I got so I love it and inside that is my head and inside that is my mind and it's, it's just a tiny speck in this incomprehensibly vast universe. That's the model you use, correct Chris? Mm-hmm. Yes wrong you got it ass backwards it is your mind that is incomprehensibly west and the universe which is tiny because my friend the entire universe is contained in your mind let me repeat that mm-hmm. the entire friggin universe is within your mind, is encompassed by your mind. And it's your own direct experience of that. Because what happens when you go to sleep at night? Where does this universe go? It's vanished, right? And it's supplanted with an alternate universe where you are Julius Caesar pursuing Pompeii. And that one goes and you're in deep sleep where there is nothing. And this is your own direct experience. Now, here is where it gets interesting. When you wake up from your dream, then you recognize, no, I'm not Julius Caesar. You recognize that you created everything. You created the Roman Empire. You created the legions which fought with each other. You created Cleopatra, with whom you then had an affair and begat a son. You created all of that, but you chose to identify with one small part of it, which is Julius Caesar. But it was really you the whole damn time. 
in exactly the same way, my friend, you created the entire universe and then you choose to occupy a small part of it, which you call Chris, the podcast host, the body-mind-intellect complex. Now, when do you recognize that you friggin' created everything? When you wake up. And as the Buddha said, the sole purpose of human birth is to wake up. That is what has been called different things in different traditions, awakening, enlightenment, moksha, sakshatkara. But they're all referring to the same thing. When you recognize that you are not who you think you are, you are all-powerful, limitless. Fire cannot burn you, water cannot wet you, the sword cannot cut you, the spear cannot pierce you. Because you're beyond all of that, you're pure awareness. This body that you call Chris, sure, that'll die. That can be cut with a sword or pierced with a spear. But that's not you. That's there. And you have glimpses of this. You know, supposing I were to take a machete and chop off your arm. Painful, but you recover and then there's your arm lying up. Is it still your arm? What do you think it is right now? Let me tell you something. Anything which you can observe is not you. That's simple enough, right? Anything you can observe is not you. So you can observe your body. Hey, that's not me. You can observe your thoughts. I'm getting angry. I'm getting bamboozled. You know, this thing is giving me a headache. Let me go off, have a slice of pizza. You're observing all of that. Anything that you can observe is not you. Then who are you? That's easy. You are the observer. Now, the problem with us is that our entire life, we have lost the wit. There is a word term for that, by the way. In Sanskrit, we call it Sakshi. In English, we call it the witness. You are the witness of all that is happening. Mm -hmm. But you lose your witness state because you identify with the manifold trains of thoughts that happen. And then they carry you to all kinds of places you don't want to go. Oh, you know, I just heard, you know, my girlfriend is having an affair with my best friend. How could they do that to me? And all of a sudden, you're no longer the witness. You've been grabbed by that train of thought. And that takes you into realms of jealousy and explosive anger. Yeah. And that's how we live our entire life. And that's why we bounce around like puppets between elation and despair. But if you realize that your essential nature, you're the screen. All of this drama, the soap opera is playing out on the screen. It wouldn't be able to work if it wasn't for the screen. But you are the screen. You are unaffected by the drama. You're not burned when the towering inferno plays. You don't get wet when water world plays. But they play on you. In exactly the same way, when you're the witness, you can see all of this stuff happening and really enjoy it. Oh, there's this character, Chris, and he is really getting screwed. What fun it is. Boy, this is a really good script writer. And you're enjoying all this stuff that's happening. 
instead of being grabbed off, being grabbed by the neck and taken off into dark places. So I said, the problem isn't that you have mental chatter. The problem is that you identify with your mental chatter. And the only way you're not going to do that is if you're anchored in the notion mm-hmm. that you are awareness. Which brings us to that. Hey, Srikumar, what do you say makes sense? Now, how the hell do I bring about this thing? And the answer is very, very carefully and diligently. And a lot of people say, you know, this makes sense. And my mental chatter is obviously out of control. And I have to meditate. You know, I'll set up a meditation practice. I'll meditate for half an hour every day. Yeah. Or I go off on a Vipassana retreat. All of that is pretty near useless. Now, this will come as a big surprise. You know, is this guy actually saying meditation is useless? Forget it, going on retreats. That's exactly what I'm saying. Actually, I take it back. I'm not saying it's useless. I'm saying that it will not have the effect you think it will have. And let me tell you why. I've got to give another story here, which has a bearing on this. I read a book called The Way of the Pilgrim, which really made a deep impact on me. I must have read it about 35, 40 years ago. It made a deep impact on me then, but the true value of that is something I'm beginning to realize now. I am beginning to realize now. I still haven't realized it. Yeah. And what, uh, let me tell you a little bit about the pilgrim, where the pilgrim, nobody knows who the pilgrim was. He was Russian. He roamed around uh, Siberia in the late 19th century. Uh, he, the only thing he had was a copy of the Bible and a torn woolen coat. And he went around, you know, reciting the Jesus prayer. Mm-hmm. If you're roaming around in Siberia and the only thing you have is a torn woolen coat, then you're not in a very good position. He had a dislocated shoulder and no doctor, so he lived with the pain. So adverse circumstances. But despite that, he was in a state of such high spiritual exaltation that you can only marvel and hope that you could get there. Mm -hmm. Now, somebody discovered his diary in uh, the early 20th century, translated it, and it instantly became a spiritual classic. In the very first page of the diary, the pilgrim describes something that had a deep impact on him, which was he heard an injunction to pray without ceasing. And he didn't understand what that was, and he went around and asked several people, can you teach me to pray without ceasing? What does it mean? The rest of it is his journey as to how to learn to pray without ceasing. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is the following, and I want you to have a mental image of this. You go to a playground and there is this device that kids love when they get on it and you spin it around. And I don't know what it's called, but you spin it around. It takes some effort to get it spinning, but once it's spinning, each time it goes past you, you just give it a tiny flick, uh, you know, for one of the bars and that gives it energy and it keeps spinning and it's spinning at tremendous speed. So what happens is, That's our mind. You know, all of the straight thoughts we have have given it such tremendous momentum that the notion you're going to slow it down by a half-hour meditation practice or going on a retreat is false. Yeah. It's got too much momentum for that. The only way you're going to truly slow it down is to do what the pilgrim did, which is pray without ceasing. 
And when you do that, you have the potential to slow down this mammoth momentum your mind has gathered. And when you slow it down, the mind vanishes. And when your mind vanishes, then you recognize your true nature as pure awareness. That is the only way in which you're going to solve this existential dilemma. So that, Chris, is how you do it. Excellent. And within that then is the ultimate happiness. I mean, that, that's, yes. that's where we are. The nature of that is happiness. Right. But it's not happiness in the sense that we associate happiness because we speak about it in trivial terms. I got something I wanted, so I'm happy. No, happiness is your innate nature, irrespective of what you have or don't have. Yeah, I think it, what it does is it allows you to turn off all these things that, that create the negative emotions, negative feelings, and, and, and it just seems like sometimes we're hardwired that way. That's a whole other conversation. I wish we had more time because I'd love to, I'd love to go much, so much further. Again for your show, Chris. Yeah, actually, you know, I'm thinking that, that, that we, may, we may need to do a follow-up on this one, do another, uh, another episode here. But in the meantime, uh, I may have guests that want to reach out to you. You, you do have the book that, that, that's coming out. Um, you know, that's coming soon. But if somebody were to want to reach you, how would they find you? Uh, they can go to my website and my website is www.therauinstitute.com. So that's, that's T-H-E-R-A-U-R-A-O-R-A-O-T-H-E-R-A-O Institute, I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E.com. Correct. And if they are interested in learning about my programs, that's on the website. If they would like to consider getting coached by me, there is an application for uh, coaching. It's all on my website. If they want to reach out to me, they can do it at srikumar.rao at the com. Excellent. And um, obviously, I'm sure all your books will be listed there. The new book will be listed there. They can get yes. to your TED talk. So, you know, it's, it's, it's so much good stuff. I think it's, it's definitely worth pursuing. So, you know, hopefully many of our listeners will, will dive in deeper because I, th- I think right now happiness is, is lacking um, without question. There's too many negative influences in this world. So um, I, again, I hope that the listeners, um, you know, that all of you have found this to be as interesting as I have found it. And uh, I look forward to, to looking for more. So, you know, thank you again for being with us today, Sri Kumar. My pleasure entirely, Chris. I hope, you read find, uh, I hope your listeners find that both entertaining and illuminating. I'm, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Um, anyway, so that, that's it for our show for this week. Stay tuned. We've got more great guests coming up, and um, I look forward to being all, with all of you in the future. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for joining Chris Elias for this week's edition of Transformative Experts. We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a good week.